0: back to fnf self-tapes i finally got the name right um i definitely just didn't do a second take uh <laughs> nevertheless welcome back to uh self-tapes um today is the fourth episode um and today on the day that this is coming out is a very special day um in united states history and just in general um today that the episode is coming out June the 19th uh, is considered a holiday in the United States um, in many places across the world. Uh, It is the holiday of Juneteenth. Um, It is a holiday that is mainly celebrated by black and African Americans, um, but is further celebrated by other races and cultures um, in the United States to empower, you know, uh, black voices and stuff like that. Um, Black and African-American voices. So, um, happy Juneteenth to anyone who celebrates, any and all who celebrate. Um, You know, I I picked this movie with a consciousness uh, that today is Juneteenth. um, And that is why today's movie is Malcolm X from 1992. uh, So that would be the, that would be the direction behind why I picked this film. It's also a film that I've always wanted to see. Denzel Washington in any movie is pretty good, uh, pretty good indicator (laughs) that it's a good movie. Uh, and then, you know, Spike Lee being a director is always going to be, you know, um, an enticing thing as well. Uh, both legends in their own right and, uh, I was very excited to see this movie. And then on top of the historical significance of the time period, it kind of felt like it all fell in place for me. Um, But, uh, you know, it still doesn't take away the significance that it has, the film has. You know, I could have watched this at any point in time, and I feel like it would have felt as significant as it did, um, as it does for me. Um, This movie was very very uh honest smooth very raw um it was on the feet of the uh rodney king incident and i think it just had so much to say about the time period that the people who were advertised the movie who were the target audience for the movie um was very poignant and very relevant <clears throat> still very relevant to this day, uh, which is very depressing, to be completely frank and honest. Um but we'll get into that later. Um just wanted to give a little bit of context into uh why we picked this movie, you know, the significance of the date and everything like that. Because brushing over that I feel like would be a little bit unfair and uncouth, so I uh, did not want to lead with anything other than that, um, and for anyone who doesn't know, Juneteenth is not a celebration of the Proclamation, uh, Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. It was actually uh, Major General Gordon Granger's um, address to uh, the people in Texas Uh, that happened on June the 19th of 1960, or sorry, 1865, and, um, clear, that misconception, the, you know, if I can be a part of clearing up that misconception, I'm happy to do it. So, um, anyways, I think that is, uh, I think I did, I think I did a good enough job. I think we can move on, um, to the movie itself. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, So I'm going to start out with the credits and we'll go from there. Uh, Malcolm X was released in 1992. Uh, The runtime for this film was 201 minutes. The film is based off the autobiography of Malcolm X, authored by Malcolm X himself and Alex Haley. And the writers of this film were Arnold Pearl and Spike Lee. Uh, The director of this film is also Spike Lee. The editor of this film is Barry Alexander Brown. The music on this film and most of the score is done by Terrence Blanchard, who is Spike Lee's father, who has actually recently passed away. So I want to say rest in peace to him. And want to send some well wishes to Spike Lee and his family. Um, the camera work on this film was done by Ernest Dickerson. And the stars of this film were Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, Delroy Lindo, Spike Lee, Al Freeman Jr., and Albert Hall. Sorry for clearing so much phlegm. Um, But anyways, from here, we're going to move on to the plot. Um, I don't have a lot, honestly. For how long this movie ends up being, it really isn't that long. So, bear with me. This is... um, malcolm x malcolm x is as follows is what i normally say here we go malcolm little is raised in a strong household in rural michigan by his grenadian mother and african-american father when malcolm is a young boy their house is burnt down and his father an activist for black rights is killed by a chapter of the black legion his death is registered as a suicide and the family receives no compensation malcolm's mother's mental state deteriorates and she is admitted into a mental institution. Malcolm and his siblings are put in protective care. Malcolm performs well in school and dreams of being a lawyer, but his teacher discourages it due to his skin color. In 1944, Malcolm, now a teenager, lives in Boston. One night, he catches the attention of the white Sophia, and the two begin having sex. Malcolm travels to New York City's Harlem with Sophia, where he meets West Indian Archie, a gangster who runs a local uh, numbers game at a bar. The two become friends and start cooperating in a legal racket. One night at a club, Malcolm claims to have bet on a winning number. Archie disputes this, denying him a large sum of money. A conflict ensues between the two, and Malcolm returns to Boston after after an attempt on his life. Malcolm, Sophia, Malcolm's friend Shorty, and a woman named Peg decide to perform robberies to earn money. By 1946, the group has accrued a large amount of money from thievery. However, they are later, later arrested. The two women are sentenced to two years as first offenders in connection with the robberies, while Malcolm and Shorty are sentenced to eight to ten years in jail. While incarcerated, Malcolm meets Baines, a member of the Nation of Islam, who directs him to the teachings of the group's leader, Elijah Muhammad. Malcolm grows interested in the Muslim religion and lifestyle promoted by the group and begins to resent white people for mistreating his race. Malcolm is paroled from prison in 1952 after serving six years and travels to the Nation of Islam's headquarters in Chicago. There, he meets Muhammad, who instructs Malcolm to replace his surname Little with X, which symbolizes his lost African surname that was taken from his ancestors by white slave masters. He is rechristened as Malcolm X. Malcolm returns to New York City's Harlem and begins to preach to the nation's message uh, over time. His speeches draw large crowds of onlookers. Malcolm proposes ideas such as African-American separation from white Americans. In 1958, Malcolm meets nurse Betty Saunders. The two begin dating, quickly marry, and become the parents of four daughters. Several years later, Malcolm is now in a high position as a spokesperson of the Nation of Islam. During this time, Malcolm learns that Muhammad had fathered "...numerous children out of wedlock, contradicting his his teachings and Islam." After President John F. Kennedy is assassinated in November of 1963, Malcolm comments that the assassination was the product of the white violence that has been prevalent in America since its founding, comparing the killing to the, quote, "...the chickens coming home to roost," unquote. This statement damages Malcolm's reputation, and Muhammad suspends him from speaking to the press or at temples for 90 days." In early 1964, Malcolm goes on a pilgrimage to Mecca where he he meets Muslims from all races, including white. Malcolm, having lost faith in the Nation of Islam, publicly announces that he is founding the Organization of the Afro-American Unity, where he teaches tolerance instead of racial separation. He is exiled from the Nation of Islam, and his house is firebombed in early 1965. On February 21, 1965, Malcolm prepares to speak before a crowd at the Audubon Ballroom in Harlem, but tragically, disciples of the Nation of Islam shoot him several times. One of Malcolm's bodyguards shoots the shooters, Thomas Hagan, in the leg before a furious crowd begins to beat Hagan. Malcolm is transported to the hospital, but is pronounced dead on arrival. The film concludes with a series of clips showing the aftermath of Malcolm's death. Malcolm, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. delivers a eulogy to Malcolm, and Ozzie Davis recites, uh, Ozzie Davis, oh yeah, I said that, sorry, Ozzie Davis, Malcolm's funeral, uh, Nelson Mandela delivers a speech to a school quoting an excerpt from Malcolm's speeches, and that was Malcolm X, uh, if you're wondering when I clapped right near the end there, I, there was a gnat right in front of my face, wanted to clear that up, um, but that, that was Malcolm X, um, just as just from the beginning starting with raw footage of the Rodney King incident uh to the ending of more raw footage of police beatings um KKK riots racial riots racism in general um this movie had a very pointed and clear message from the second it starts to the second it ends um and with a figure like Malcolm X, how could you not have race and um, racial divide? How could you not have that at the forefront? Um, and so, I feel that the smoothies did a great job um, of making an appropriate film to attach to his life story um as you connect it with the overall story that they're trying to tell um his life story kind of lends itself to a mindset by the end of the film where i feel like you know if if after his pilgrimage you can't see him as a person who accepts all people Uh, then you're not watching the movie, in my opinion, and you're missing the point, and you want to miss the point. Um, I feel like this movie is so clear in its insistence that um, Malcolm Underneath is a good person that didn't grow up with a father, didn't grow up with a mother, grew up in foster care, was treated like a second-class citizen throughout his educational life. Was treated like a low life by society, and then finally started to find some type of validation in his life through Islam and uh, and living a Muslim lifestyle. And to have all that you finally feel like you have some type of purpose and it gets ripped away from you by a person that you think you can trust. Um, someone that helped you find this light in your life uh, and to have them be the betrayer. I really couldn't imagine it. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, getting into the thoughts this quickly, but that that one really is like sticking with me a lot of the fact of putting so much trust into someone and them betraying that trust I, it's, it, it hurts me so much to watch and to, I couldn't even imagine what that would feel like you know I, the only thing you can really say if there's any type of silver lining is that he didn't have to live with the thought of what happened it, it just happened as depressing as that is, um, yeah, I'm gonna read some themes real quick because that ah, was a little too much. But, <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some themes. <clears throat> I Need mean to stop. Um, um, I have 51 themes. So, really, bear with me, Um, because this might be a little bit. Okay, capitalism and the effects on the individual. Change versus tradition. Character, the destruction and building up of. Circle of life, coming of age. Companionship is salvation. Convention and rebellion. Darkness of ignorance. Death, inevitable or tragedy displacement empowerment everlasting love the evils of racism facing darkness facing reality faith versus doubt family fate and free will fulfillment greed as downfall the heartbreak of betrayal heroism real and perceived identity crisis the illusion of power Individual versus versus society. Isolationism and its hazards. Knowledge versus ignorance. Losing hope. The loss of innocence. Love and sacrifice. Manipulation. Materialism is downfall. Motherhood. Names, their power and significance. Nationalism and its complications. Optimism, power and folly. Power and corruption. Pride. Progress, real or illusion. Quest for discovery. Quest for power. Rebirth. Role of men. The role of religion. Its virtues and its hypocrisies. Self-preservation. Self-reliance. Temptation and destruction. Vanity as downfall. The vulnerability of the meek. Vulnerability of the strong, the will to survive, and working class struggles. Um, I want to clarify that that is just themes and ideas that are touched on this film, not so much the main themes, because fifty-one themes is insane. Um, but there are fifty-one different ideas that are, uh, you know, presented in this movie. And I uh, I find it to be so interesting that they're able to touch so many, um, so many different topics. These are not in ways they're all related, um, and in a lot of ways they're not. Um, I find it really mm, I don't want to say revolutionary or revelationary, It's it's really fresh to have a movie that is so long. This movie is three hours twenty two. It is so long, but just like the godfather not in the same quality of the godfather i will say but you know in the same type of cinematic quality of the godfather it kind of just runs by and it feels justified in the length that it's taking um i feel like three hours really can only be taken to show someone's entire life or the main arc of who they are as a person and i feel like movie just did a great job of, of managing time, managing pace, managing um, attention. It just did a great job. Um, and with that, I'm going to start reading my thoughts, because I have not done that yet. I have gotten into my thoughts a little bit, so I probably won't have like two or three <laughs> that I have written down, but nevertheless. Um, the film starts... Uh, by an American flag catching on fire and burning into an X. Uh, great visual metaphor, um, in my opinion, and how I've interpreted it, is being a symbolization of his burning desire to rid America of, you know, its uh, impurity, in some ways. Uh, and intercrossing that with, or any re- interweaving, rather, that with uh, you know, just raw footage of Rodney King being beaten by the Los Angeles Police Department. Just really um, shocking imagery, to say the least. And um, I think it did a great job of uh, of setting the tone early on for the film. I, I, I really don't think uh, the film hit would hit as hard as it does, and would not feel as urgent as it does. But it it allowing you to know exactly who it's targeting in its first few moments. I feel like plays to the to the advantage of this film as a film, but it also uh, allows the audience to understand exactly where the director and writers are coming from. Um, so enjoyed the choice of that to be the start of the film uh, because I feel like it just adds so much context to, uh, what it is you're trying to get done and what it is, uh, that is at the forefront of, um, of, of the movie. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I had to really say about that in a much lighter note uh the the dance scene um that happens when malcolm is a lot younger uh one of the scenes where he actually meets sophia i'm pretty sure um that was a cool scene the dancing scene if there is one scene i could say though that may not need to be in the film it might be that one Mm -hmm. excuse me but um yeah, I, may, I I don't know if that one needs to be in there. Um. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much else to say about that. Uh, but it was cool nonetheless. It was well done. I'm not trying to discredit the the work or anything. It was well done. and I liked it, but I don't know that it was necessarily uh in the right place with this movie with this movie, but. could be wrong who knows (laughs) i may may be just underestimating the significance and maybe i will watch this movie sometime in the future and understand the true significance of it but at the moment maybe 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 we cut that one but uh moving on um the amount of extras in that joe lewis celebration scene was very staggering uh (laughs) the i've thought about this a lot actually from going back and forth of watching older movies and newer movies and stuff the newer movies are cool with having like 25 on-set extras and then filling the rest in with cgi people because who the the fuck's gonna know (laughs) you know what i mean but you watch a film like lawrence of arabia where they literally had like i don't know the exact number i'm just gonna say a number and it's probably more but they had like fifty thousand extras and um just the idea that movies used to be this like this otherworldly thing to humans um is fascinating to me and the fact that that wall was effectively broken down i mean with the creation of social media but yeah just thinking about movies back in the day and how they were made and how many how easier how much easier it was to get <laughs> to get extras to be in things. Um and this movie is a great representation. They had so many extras and they were all dressed like they were from the forties. Forties cars in the road and everything. Right. And wild. Wild to think about. Wild scenes. Um and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It really did a lot to um immerse you into the into the world and i i enjoyed it living on here the the um the scene where he introduces himself to west indian archie right before that he smacks the ever-living shit out of someone uh with a with a bottle um and i just want to remark he really slapped the ever living shit out of this guy i really can't emphasize that enough the smack was so hard so hard <sighs> <sighs> yeah um my next note here says his falling in and out with west indian archie was very interesting to watch because it was um West Indian and Archie was a really cool character that was uh, recurred through the film. Wasn't just the first act guy to kind of get Denzel over, really. Um, It was more of a... It was more of a grounding role uh, as a role that meant to ground uh, Malcolm's character um, and help perspectivize uh, his character throughout the whole movie. Um, You know once he's is saved by the, or once he is saved, quote-unquote, by the, the nation of Islam, he, uh, he goes back and visits West Indian Archie, and Archie is in kind of a state of psychosis, almost, um, and it really depresses Malcolm, and it's not really something he can, he seemingly can deal with, uh, so, um, that was something that was hard to watch. Uh, Denzel played it perfectly as he normally does, and um. yeah, it was another powerful moment in this movie, and uh, in, in a movie that is full of them. Um, yeah. Uh, next note here says Billy Holiday! Exclamation point! I thought that was very random. I don't know if that needed to be thrown in there, but fun billy holiday sighting <laughs> i was wondering uh because you kind of did sound like billy holiday i was like are they, are they invoking, or is that billy holiday billy holiday <laughs> uh it, my next note says the russian roulette scene was bonkers um so yeah uh the the idea that he actually did this to someone is really funny um later revealed that there was no bullets uh in the gun so uh even if it was real you know not really uh not really a big deal you know or sorry the front the front is awesome i enjoy the front of it all i was kind of i got lost to my own thoughts right there and just started talking um just being honest but uh I really enjoy that that scene of um showing how he is um someone who can influence people with the way that he speaks uh and I feel like that was really the, the emphasis in the idea that they were trying to get across in that scene um and they did a really good job of it they sold him very well so um My next note here says stealing the ring off a man's finger while he is sleeping is insane. Uh, Because it is. That is probably the craziest thing I've ever heard or ever seen. If you are that down bad, um, you are very down bad. Because I have never heard of anything like that. Stealing the ring off of a man's finger while he is asleep in his bed. (laughs) <laughs> pray for that man <laughs> that's what uh that's what uh what's his name said when he got into when he got into jail um Baines that's what Baines was saying when he got into jail He was like "Ooh, pray for this man but uh nevertheless I need to take a break really quickly guys um, because I got to fix my camera, or not fix my camera, but I got to turn my camera over so I can have a second part. Um, so I'll be right back and stick with it. Alrighty, I'm back. Um, when we left off, I was talking about a stealing a ring off a man's finger <laughs> and how crazy that would be. Um, because it would be, that, that would, that would, that is, I don't even need to say it again, but that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, next scene was incredible. The next note I have is, dictionary scene was very well crafted and edited. I really enjoyed that scene. The scene was edited really, really well, and it it really had, uh, an everlasting impact, I've talked to two people since seeing that movie, I saw it Thursday, today is Sunday, the 18th, as I'm filming this, and it's been two days, two full days to process the movie, two and a half, really, um, and, that scene really just sticks out to me a lot um just the idea that black is all over the dictionary as this bad thing and like this inherently bad thing and that white is in the dictionary as this inherently good thing and um in pure innocent and all these other synonyms under the the definition of white and then and then all these negative things under the definition of black and it kind of opening his eyes to like wait a minute there's narrative even in education um and him becoming aware of that and uh that being the first step to his enlightenment i feel like uh as far as a film goes it was great crafting of a film but uh, I can imagine how or I can understand how that would be the first step to understanding like, huh, I I'm not respected as a human being, you know um, Yeah, I think that's all the deepest I need to go into that. Um, just to, just a really, really good scene altogether um, to tell a really good story that I believe to be, you know, more than likely true, so, that's fun. Uh, I really enjoyed his, the scene where he meets Elijah Muhammad for the first time, almost giving him this, like, deity-type status, and the way that the character is played, as if he's, you know, uh, where he talks slow and very, uh, methodically, I feel like it just plays super well, um, and I don't know actually what Elijah Muhammad acts like, so I probably should have watched some of his stuff before I came on the podcast. But um, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> um, I thought that I was a really good scene um, because mohammed is kind of just telling him like he's kind of just validating him really I and mean, being like i see you my son and it puts him on his knees and he is like ready to submit and willing to submit and uh, his vulnerability in that scene uh was really good um from denzel's character or <laughs> i guess from malcolm the vulnerability shown is it was really beautiful and um it did only more to sell the scene so um my next note here says uh look how young Angela Bassett looks that was really fun watching little little Angela Bassett little little Denzel Curry <laughs> I see little when they're like 35 years old um but you know n- growing up with them they were always a little bit older because I was born in 2000, they've always been a little bit older actors to me, and so seeing them that young is just always cute and fun. you even know, you got a little Giancarlo Esposito. He got his ass handed to him after he murdered Malcolm. You know. Uh, you know, um, rightfully. <laughs> rightfully got his ass handed to him after assassinating Malcolm. But, um it was really fun just to see all those people a little bit younger in a a really good film. Um my next note here says their show of solidarity to the member of the temple who was attacked was very powerful. Uh the way that they were, you know, being honorable and the way that they uh the way that they conducted themselves and everything was just something that was really interesting to watch. Um even from this film, so I can only imagine what it would be like in real life. Um, yeah, because it was very powerful in this movie. So, um, that was cool. Next, uh, note I little have little note I have here. I have uh, this film is great, this great is a film is a great piece of advertising for the Church of Islam. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, if you're an impressionable person. Uh, you, might, you might be a Muslim by the end of this, uh, by the end of watching this movie, to be completely honest. This movie may have converted a few people, because it is a blanket advertisement. I don't want to say it's propaganda, because I feel like that's a little aggressive, but, uh, it is definitely a nice little, this is the Church of Islam, uh, <laughs> little advert. So, uh, be aware of that if you're watching this movie for the first time. Um, that it was hilarious that Malcolm got married over the phone. If that is a true story, that is absolutely hilarious. I don't even... I don't even understand that, honestly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got broken up with over the phone. <laughs> I've never... Never think to ask someone to marry me over the phone. That was that would be a little bit uh, wild. <sighs> um, I have this note. Uh, the dialogue and their argument was really well written. Um, Malcolm has an argument later on in the film with his wife, uh, Betty, and played by angela bassett and it was really really well done i thought it was really really well scripted i thought uh both of them had very relevant points and it just made digestible sense and i uh, i really enjoy what arguments can feel like they were justified in a certain way or um justified in any way because why are you having characters argue if their argument is not justified? Um, yeah. It is... Uh, it's weird that that has to be a note, but it is. <laughs> um, I spoke about it earlier a little bit. My next note here says the portrayal that, uh, that he experiences has to be world-shattering. To have really no family, finally find your purpose, find your family through that purpose, and, like, uh, really give your life uh, to said purpose. To see how the Nation of Islam, I mean, they fucking killed him. Um, I can't imagine you would really feel any more betrayed than that, but they had betrayed him long prior. Um, but it wasn't until he had really gone out said slanderous things about them that uh that it really got them in trouble. Uh so I just got that it kind of has to feel like a rock and a hard place situation where you want to keep this uh this air not this air, I mean like it, it kinda is who he is, this um this veil. Eh it's not a veil, I don't, I don't know what to say, it's, uh, this character that you've put forth, and it's not even really character, but, like, who you are, who you've shown that you are, I guess is what I'm trying to say, who he's shown that he was, uh, at the time, he's still trying to be that strong, confident man, and after his, uh, trip to Mecca, I mean, he's still strong, confident, and whatever, but He's more accepting to the things that are going on around him. And the people around him. Even whites. <laughs> um, you know. And so. Uh, I think with that. He really was like. Trying to change how he thought. And felt about many people. Um, And I just don't think that was in the Nation of Islam. <laughs> Uh, in in their cards, his his hatred fueled the um the hatred that he had gotten for whites. And while many of uh his things that he had said about whites was very impassioned, uh and very uh, inflammatory, I I don't. Believe that much of what he said was really incorrect. Um, you know, so that's a complication that this movie kind of uh allows you or puts in your lap to deal with. Uh, you know, uh, it's how you feel about the things that he's saying, and I, I feel that everything that he says is valid. I don't think there's much in this movie that is said by. Or, I mean, you know, this is mostly just things that he said in public, so these are his actual words. Things that he said, I really don't think are that inflammatory. I just think that given the perspective from 1960, I don't believe that they were ready to have conversations of this nature. And very obviously because of what happened to him. Um, But you know, nevertheless, it doesn't justify any of the betrayal it doesn't justify any of the violence uh threatened to his family exerted onto his family any of that really I mean it's um just kind of it's kind of it's very devastating um and this movie's third act is truly just devastating um <laughs> Before that, though, I do want to talk about the him having to relive the trauma of having his house burned down from early in his life, uh, reliving that trauma later in his life um, from the Nation of Islam. These in the early in his life, it was the KKK. And it was a very easily digestible situation where it was, okay, these white people are trying to be racist and drive my black family out of the, uh, you know, out of the area and, and things of that nature. And that, that I feel like is a very digestible thing. And at the end of the day, uh, I feel like it's, I don't know about easier to accept, but it isn't easier thing to accept because it is someone that you clearly understand is hating you and they prove that they do and so you know I just in that way I don't think that um uh, I don't I we sorry I do think that that would just be a little bit more um, acceptable as a thing that happened to you Rather than someone that you have put all your trust in. Someone that you have done everything you can to to give your life to. They're now trying to firebomb your house. And they're making you live, relive this trauma. Um, when you thought that this was going to be the, the people that are going to bring you some, some type of salvation. Um... I, it's just really just heartbreaking to think about. Um, and he knew that he was going to die on that day when he was getting ready for the Audubon. Um, and then his a man in front of his family is the most down... low-down dunk, government shill bullshit that I've ever heard. Um, and the fact that their family every one of them had to deal with that trauma is haunting to me. I I can't even... I can't even... It's hard for me to think of as a scene in a film. Imagine that's your fucking life. That is so... fucked. And... I mean, like, no amount of reactionary things that I can do right now in this seat could ever perspectivize um, what that family must have felt at the time and constantly felt all the time. I don't know that type of devastation. And I never really will. And I don't think many of us will um just truly a tragedy uh in every sense of the word and um yeah and that's 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 it on that i um i need to move on because i i can't think about this anymore it's it's quite it's just the most heinous thing i have I've ever heard. Um, the the end sequence of this film is is really beautiful. It um, it has Nelson Mandela speaking to a classroom of children and speaking on the influence of Malcolm X, speaking on the influence of uh, accepting your culture and loving yourself, who you are, as an African American or Black American. Um, yeah. um i really enjoy the music curation in this film it was really done by terrence blanchard again rest in peace to terrence blanchard he just passed away recently um i would say in the past month um, he was 92 years old and he lived a very full life he was a very talented musician um and he scored every single one of spike lee's films Um, all the way up until his most recent, so, um, shout out to a very hardworking man, hardworking until the day that he passed, so, uh, just, uh, something that we can all aspire to be, aspire to be like, and a true figure of, um, exemplifying black, black excellence, uh, and just someone to, to highlight on this. Uh, on this Juneteenth. <laughs> Moving on here, um, I really said everything else left on my list, so I think that's actually going to be it for it. Uh, I do want to say the cinematography on this film is incredible, um, as well. Um, I want to say the edit. There was a few times where the edit. Uh, it was a little rough, but for the most part, in the scenes that were extremely climactic and um, extremely uh, important to the film, they were at the forefront of the film rather than the, any edit or any camera trick or any of this. Uh, there was one point in the film early on when they had a fish island that, was, uh, that was, had a crazy bevel. And it, I don't. It wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> but it only lasted for like ten seconds. So I think it was just there to be like, "Ooh, that's weird." Oh, other than that, the movie was very straightforward, and I really enjoyed it for it. So that is it. Those are my thoughts on uh, on Malcolm X. I'm going to uh throw it in the list now, and um. From there, we're gonna figure that out. Where are we going on the list, and um, and then from there, I will close the show out, and we'll be done. So, yeah, should be fun. Um, so we have I don't know, this will be actually the fifth film on the list. But it is only the fourth film of FNF self tapes. If you missed the first episode, it is the twenty-first episode of Finding New Films. It was a backdoor pilot, and uh, it was uh, it was a fun one. It was lost in translation. Actually, the lowest-rated movie on this list so far. So that's pretty funny. The I'm honestly very surprised. I don't actually know about how surprised I am, but <laughs> uh, I've been pleasantly happy with uh, how good all of these movies have been. The lowest rated movie on here is a seven point four, um, I plan to keep that up. Uh, we'll see if we can, but um, I really do look to keep that up in the in the future. But um, I'm just typing now and kind of wasting time. Uh, I'm giving this movie a nine. I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, poignant movie it had a very very important um important message to tell, and I feel like it told it very effectively. Uh, I think some of the things that may have kept it from being a perfect ten was perhaps the length of the first act and perhaps the uh. Just overall um, insistence to kind of include everything. Um, I think this movie may have kind of done with a little more subtlety in allowing the the reader really to, or reader, the viewer really to decide how they feel, um, so much rather than telling them how maybe they should feel. Uh, and I'm, maybe not everybody feels that way. and That is just kind of a way that I did kind of feel sometimes, uh, maybe a little more subtlety could have taken this movie a little bit, even a little bit further. Uh, and then the fact that that's even possible is, is pretty mind boggling. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty, 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 <laughs> uh, pretty solid. You know, I don't think you can get more solid than a 9 out of 10. Um, Well, 10 out of 10, that's pretty solid, too. But, uh, you know, you know what I mean. 9 out of 10 is a very solid movie. That actually throws it into second in between Portrait of a Lady on Fire uh, and uh, and The Great Dictator, 1940. Um, Yeah. That's it. That's it for the episode, so now I'm going to get into my little outro spiel. Um, Tune in next week to FNF Self Tapes. Uh, Our next film is Near Dark from 1987, a film that was directed by Catherine Bigelow. Um, It is actually her first film that she ever directed. Uh, So that'll be fun. A little bit of a uh, little bit of a twist up. We'll have more of a lighthearted episode next week. Just doing a, a slasher movie. Um, not that this episode needed to not be lighthearted. I, like I said at the top of the show, I think what today was. I if I had skirted past what day today was, I would have uh, I would have haunted me. I feel I, I don't know that's. Probably I never. That's that's too much. It it would have I would have felt bad. I will say that I had a very clear opportunity to uplift and empower um, a a film made by Black people, performed by Black people, and edited by Black people and Black and African American people. And I uh, I didn't take it on the most layup of days. Uh, You know, I I I would have giving myself shit for that so um nevertheless we we are done with this podcast so next week uh tune in for near dark um yeah just a slasher movie uh tune in this friday for the main finding new films podcast of fnf as it is on uh spotify um This week, I've got Preston as a guest. He's rejoining us to discuss the film um, Blood Simple by the Coen Brothers. Um, I actually have to go watch that movie now, um, right after I get done filming this. But uh, we're going to be watching Blood Simple... Quick little 90-minute uh, crime drama. First Coen Brothers movie. So, very interested to see that. Um, what else? Um, if you missed it, this past Sunday, uh, we came out with a second episode of Greg and Jeff Give the Hi-Hat. That is a show that I produce uh, that is hosted by my godfather Greg and my father Jeff. Um, which also, since today is Sunday the 18th, uh, when I'm filming this, Happy Father's Day uh, to any fathers or fatherly figures, um, since this is coming out on Juneteenth, this will be a little belated, but Happy Father's Day to anybody out there, um, in America <laughs> at least, I don't know when, if Father's Day is a different day in uh, other countries, but Happy Father's Day to American fathers and fatherly figures, um, and if you want to say Happy birth or Happy Father's Day to my own father uh, and my godfather, speaking of fathers and fatherly figures, uh, yeah, go watch their pod. It's really fun. Um, they really like to shoot the shit, and give each other shit, and uh, and you know. Just banner. It's just a banner. So, Yeah, be on the lookout for that. You're not on the lookout. Go look for it. Uh, I think we should have another episode this upcoming Sunday, barring something crazy. But uh, go check that out. Their episode this past week was about sports betting. Um, There's a new law in North Carolina uh, regarding sports betting and uh, they were just kind of talking about sports betting at large so yeah go check that out they'll do themed episodes every week next week we do a completely different theme They haven't told me what theme is yet so we'll figure that out um anyways just go watch it watch finding new films this friday watch fnf self-tapes again next monday uh and then finding new films will be on friday again uh, the week after this friday so look out for that Um, I've said everything I need to say other than please subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, or any other streaming platform, hit that follow button, rate the pod, uh, anything helps genuinely. And, uh, we appreciate it if, uh, if you listen this far and, um, and, uh, you're a, a supporter. So that's it for me. I have been Hunter Harris, I've been your host, uh, and I will see you guys soon. Mwah.